What is up, Collective? I hope you guys are doing amazing. Happy 4th of July if you celebrate, especially if you're in the United States. Um, today's going to be a little different of an episode. Usually I'm talking about mindset, mental health. I have been throwing in little true crime episodes here and there. All kind of circle back to mental health, though, in some way. Um, today... Uh, as you can see, the title, River Phoenix. The reason I wanted to do an episode about him, I don't usually talk about celebrities. I'm not like a real big celebrity chaser. I don't really like um, the whole worship culture. But ever since I was a kid, River Phoenix has always drawn my attention to him. And obviously, I also had a crush on him when I was a kid because... If you're attracted to men, he's very cute. <laughs> and I actually just, uh, I posted a reel the other day because I was doing research for this episode and it's like a little um, hint as to what my next episode would be for the show, but I don't think anybody caught on to that. Um, but he was essentially in this video, he was having like a jam session, if you will, uh, with the guitarist Flea from Red Hot Chili Peppers. And Flea and River were really, really close. Um, now, if you did not grow up in the 90s um, or 80s and you don't know who River Phoenix is, he's American actor. Uh, his breakthrough film role was Stand By Me, which is was a huge cult classic movie that was uh, a novella by Stephen King. And then he had won his first Academy Award, or his first nomination, I should say, for Running on Empty, which is a drama, which um, is actually the first time I noticed him. Of course, I, I've watched Stand By Me, but it was it was kind of a collective of people in that movie. Corey Feldman was in that movie. Kiefer Sutherland was in that movie. Um, so, you know, there was a, an array of actors in that movie. It wasn't just about River Phoenix's character. But in Running Empty, and side note, I was always in the, like, super cheesy 80s, 90s movies that weren't really big at the box office. I mean, people, I don't know. Did people go to the movies back then? Because I don't remember going to the movies back then. Like, I went to the movies. I remember my dad taking me to see Terminator 2. I think that came out in 92, something like that. 93, anyway, 97. I could be completely off. But I don't remember going to the movies a lot. I remember watching HBO B 80s, 90s movies. And Running on Empty was definitely one of them, and he got my attention now, we didn't have Google back then, so I couldn't go look him up. I, you know, I could only do so much. I could only see interviews with him when he was on MTV or, you know, or a news uh, show like Entertainment Tonight or something. And then I remember looking him up at the library. I remember trying to find stuff about him on the in the library and I couldn't find anything. And I was super inquisitive, still am. And his just his energy, something about him I was really drawn to. So then I had I had watched his other movies. He plays uh, a young Indiana Jones in The Last Crusade, which I believe is the, the third um, Indiana Jones movie. He's also in The Night in Life 
of Jimmy Reardon, which um, really led to my my crush in him because in this movie he plays kind of a Casanova f boy, if you will. Um, he's just like trying to sleep with all these young women. He's young too, so it's not like he's you know gross about it. Um. But then I got to see interviews with him, and I don't remember when this was or even how I did it, but I remember watching him communicate, and he seemed very shy and not really interested in doing these movies. Or, I mean, not these movies, these interviews. Like, he seemed really into being an actor, but not the celebrity part, you know? And then he did a movie called My Own Private Idaho with Keanu Reeves. And that was another, you know, kind of drama. Um, he seems to play that. He, he kind of got typecast a little bit. And he was in a lot of dramatic roles. And, you know, this was the early 90s. So, I mean, Keanu Reeves was super young, uh, too. But I just remember thinking there's something different about him. You know, like there's, he's not flashy. He's not in the public eye all the time. Why is that? And I was, I've always been kind of drawn to celebrities like that who stay in the shadows, I guess. And I guess that's probably because I'm the same way. If, if I were to have ever been famous, I would have been absolutely like that. So, but in his early life, he was born, he was not born River Phoenix. He was born at River Jude Bottom on August 23rd, 1970 in Oregon. He was considered one of the most talented actors of his generation. He had a promising career cut short by his premature death. So yes, if you're not aware of who River Phoenix is, we're going to get into his death. He tragically uh, passed away at 23 in 1993. So we'll get to that. Um, in 1972, the Bottoms, this is River Phoenix's family, took their lives in a new direction, joining the Children of God religious movement. Phoenix became a big brother when the couple had their second child, a daughter named Rain, that same year. As missionaries for the Child of God, or Children of God, excuse me, the Bottoms lived in Texas, Mexico, Puerto Rico, and Venezuela. Phoenix gained two more siblings during this time. Brother Joaquin, you guys, I'm sure know who Joaquin Phoenix is, and Sister Liberty. His sister Summer was, and he had another sister named Summer that was born later on. As a young child, Phoenix learned to play guitar and sing. Yes, so Phoenix, River Phoenix was not just a actor. His first love was music. Um, his sister and him perform, his sister Rain and him performed on the streets of Venezuela to earn money and passed out literature on their religious beliefs. His parents eventually became disillusioned with their religious group and decided to return to the United States in 78. They spent time in Florida where Phoenix and some of the other children performed in talent shows and started to attract attention for their musical and acting abilities. So River Phoenix, as I mentioned, was a child star after his family decided to move out to California to make it in the entertainment industry. His mother found an agent to represent all the children, and then she found a job where he is a secretary at NBC. And at first, River landed a few commercials. He then got a role as the youngest brother on the television series Seven Brides for Seven Brothers that aired in 1982. 
The show only lasted one season, but Phoenix continued to work, making a number of guest spots on other shows like Hotel and Family Ties. And he had a notable role in 1985 television movie Surviving. So, like I was saying about Stand By Me, that was his breakout role. Um, but before Stand By Me, he played a young inventor in Explorers in 1985 with Ethan Hawke. So, he then played with four friends, uh, Phoenix uh, with Will Wheaton, Corey Feldman, as I mentioned, and Jerry O'Connell. Or Connell, yeah. Uh, this was in 1986, um, which, if you guys haven't seen Stand By Me, like, I don't know where you've been or what rock you've been under, but the movie is basically set out to find the body of a missing teenager, um, so I'm not going to say any more about that movie. You guys need to watch it if you haven't, um, but he got rave um, points for his performance as a young, with a, as a young, as a youth with a troubled home life. And it was a coming-of-age action, uh, or not action, adventure drama, excuse me. Um, so, like I said, from early on, he was kind of casted in these serious roles, even when he was very young. So, he, but that's who he is. If you see him in interviews, which I will link, um, I'll link one of his interviews below. But if you see him in these interviews, he's very shy. You can tell he tries to, like, keep his hair in front of part of his face. Um, he doesn't like the spotlight being on him at all. Um, he's ju- He was just more into helping people. He really had a huge heart, and he really wanted to help people. As a matter of fact, later in his career, before he died, he was, like, the sole provider for his family. Like, they lived off of his success. So... You know, he, and he definitely wanted to take care of his siblings. He didn't really get to have um, the education that he would have wanted. So he definitely tried to encourage his younger siblings to take their education seriously. And he would pay for it if they, um, you know, wanted to go in that direction. So, as I mentioned, he was in The Last Crusade, the Indiana Jones film, Running on Empty. Um, He then did a movie in 1989, uh, or excuse me, 1990, called I Love You to Death. So, he then took a supporting role in the comedic thriller Sneakers in 1992, providing proving, excuse me, he could hold his own on screen alongside such established performers as Robert Redford and Sidney Poitier. Now, I forgot that this movie, what this movie was called, but I absolutely saw this. Again, another, I don't know why they call it a comedic thriller. It's not very funny. But again, another dramatic role where he dominated. I mean, that's just who he is um, in general. But... He's a dramatic person. Like, once you, like, get to know him in interviews, now, mind you, you're only seeing a certain side of him for sure, but you could just kind of tell. Um, I think at one point he was dating an actress, and they were at a restaurant. And, of course, this is hearsay, but they were at a restaurant, and she ordered meat, and he freaked out. Like, freaked out, yelled, ran out of the restaurant. 
like he was super vegan, you know. Um, yeah. <laughs> so acting, however, was just part of Phoenix's life. A strong supporter of animal rights. He became a vegetarian at the age of eight. When I was old enough to realize all meat was killed, I saw it in an irrational way of using our power to take a weaker thing and mutilate it. He told that to the New York Times in 1989. He became a devout vegan and cutting out all dairy products because of how they, uh, the animals were treated. He was also an environmentalist. He supported such organizations as Earth Save and Earth Trust. Music was another one of Phoenix's passions. With his sister Rain, he formed the band Elka's Art Attic. I I always say this name wrong. Alika's Attic. I don't know. (laughs) Go look it up, guys. It's A-L-E-K-A. He wrote many songs for the group, which recorded a few tracks he never released on album with the thing called love in 1993 phoenix had a chance to combine acting with music playing a singer who wanted to make it in nashville he even contributed one of his own songs to the track the film also starred um samantha mathis as his love for interest and the two started dating afterwards so that's another thing about river he was always a very dramatic lover not a fighter right his family was very they lived this very bohemian lifestyle and you know come from hippie culture he definitely had that characteristic within him and you can tell the way that he is in these movies and the way that he is in real life how he is about his love life too um even though very private for somebody who's in tune like i am i could definitely like sense it in him and it's just really sad. It's really sad that he died so young, but a lot of a lot of great souls pass on at a very young age. And it's unfortunate. Um so I want to go into River's death. Um So following several days of binging on cocaine and heroin, the 23-year-old actor collapsed outside Hollywood's Viper Room nightclub right in front of his brother, sister, and his girlfriend on Halloween in 1993. Now, the Viper Room is owned by Johnny Depp, or it might be partially owned by Johnny Depp, or was. Um, And it was a hot spot for celebrities and musicians um, to go hang out. It could literally hold no more than 200 people and that's packed it's a very small venue i've actually been there a few times and i remember the first time i the one of the main reasons why i wanted to go there was because of river phoenix um not because i'm like a fangirl but and i was this was after he died guys i wasn't i think i was like 11 when he died <laughs> so um so yeah, I I just I just wanted to be there and I know that sounds really morbid, but like I told you, I've always felt very drawn to him. So I remember the first time going up there, it was definitely because I wanted to go see a show too, and it's just an iconic music venue that, you know, if your obsession with music is crazy like mine, you want to go to all these really cool venues to see live music. 
And it's right off of Sunset in Los Angeles, um, which is not the greatest part of town in L.A. But, you know, hey. But back in the 90s, it was just swamped with everyone from the lead singer of the County Crows to Jennifer Aniston and so on and so on. Every person you could possibly think of was there. Leonardo DiCaprio went there. And... River Phoenix also went there. And on this night, he had been clean and sober. He had some issues with with drug use for sure. Um, but I think it was because of the public life that he had to live um, that he really was not a big fan of, but he knew it came with his passion of acting and being a musician. So he really had to find a way to cope with it. Back then, everybody was doing that. Child stars were, were given drugs. readily. It was readily available to them all the time. There was also pedophilia going on with child actors and, you know, just that energy around it. It was very easy for him to get addicted to drugs. But at the time of his death, he had actually been uh, filming his last movie, in Utah and New Mexico, so he had been sober for a few months. And then he came back to L.A. during a break in filming. So, you know, I mean, it's really just, it's gross, honestly. The whole history, maybe I'll do a whole episode about Los Angeles, but the whole history of L.A., especially in the 90s, is just really pisses me off. So friends knew that River Phoenix had been abusing drugs, but his fatal overdose still came as a shock. Like I said, he appeared to be turning a corner. He was sober for two months while filming the movie Dark Blood. Sadly, like I said, when he returned returned to Los Angeles, um, he almost immediately went on a massive drug binge. Mixing, he mixed so many drugs. Tragically, this would culminate to his death outside the Viper Room. At this time, the Sunset Boulevard venue was partially owned by Johnny Depp. There you go. So despite its dingy reputation, it was a haven for celebrities to escape the limelight and kick back, kick back like civilians. It also allowed them to take drugs without fans or paparazzi chronicling their vendors. But Phoenix's death cast a dark shadow on the Viper Room, which haunts the venue to this day. Yeah, it was, like I said, standing, because he died literally, like, on the curb of the sidewalk outside the front door of the Viper Room. And just standing there in that place is super eerie feeling. And yes, I mean, if you know that it happened there, whatever, that's part of it. You know, the placebo effect of it all, but I don't know. I just felt like the the guy I was with that night didn't know River Phoenix. He was quite younger than me and didn't really know River Phoenix. I mean, I've heard of him, but knew his brother more. And he even felt that eerie feeling. And, and even being in there, you can tell a lot of shit went down in there. A lot of fucking sketchy shit went down in that place. It's very dark. Um, the bathrooms are really gross. Um, they're really cool, too. They're really gross, but they're really cool. There's just stickers everywhere. Like, literally, there's not... An, even on the sinks, there's stickers on the sinks. So, it's crazy. Um, 
Yeah, and it's heartbreaking because he was so in his prime of acting. He was, like, set to get all these big movie roles. Um, and I'm going to tell you some of these movies that he he may have gotten had he not passed. So The Faithful Night, a bouncer had escorted Phoenix out of the nightclub because he was falling over and breaking things. Um, and as soon as the bouncer escorted him outside, he dropped to the ground. Much to the horror of his siblings and his girlfriend, he started going into convulsions. Though his loved ones quickly called 911, it was already too late to save him. Um, he left a giant mark on the world, um, you know, for his, his animal rights activism, his environmentalist uh, mind. But just, like, his caring, like, empathy, his empathic nature about him. Like I said, always been super drawn to him. Um, like, we were, I don't know, friends or something in a, in a past life. Or we were connected to each other energetically somehow. Or it's just like attracts like. You know, people who really care for animals, the environment. Now, I'm not vegan, Um and that's a whole other episode because I feel like plants are living things too. We can't we can't sacrifice one for the other. You know what I mean? We can't say that animals have rights and plants don't. You know, it's just that drives me absolutely fucking nuts. Um, but people who care, who genuinely care, Keanu Reeves is another person like that, and it's not shocking to me that they were really close friends. And when I was watching that video of River and Flea from, uh, I almost said 21 Pilots, Flea from Red Hot Chili Peppers, I didn't realize that Flea, uh, I knew Anthony Kiedis was an environmentalist and all that, but I, I didn't realize that Flea was because he's, you know, he's known as the naked guitarist for, for the Red Hot Chili Peppers. It's crazy. But then you get to know these people in in a in a way because you you can how really how much can you get to know somebody in an interview on TV you know, um, but you just start to kind of to see it in them because you can hide parts of your life and you cannot say things but your energy like if you're tuned into that you can't um, fake it. So, uh, while working as missionaries for the controversial group, um, River Phoenix's family um, moved around a lot, as I said, and earned money in any way that I could, they could. And, and River really tried to keep his younger siblings from having to work outside of the home because they were really young and he just didn't feel... Like, he really... He, and he said this in interviews, like, he felt like their parents a lot of the time because his mom and dad were so laid back and, you know, lived this quote-unquote bohemian lifestyle that he really kind of had to step in sometimes. And I think the pressure is what led him to the mixing of drugs. You know, like one does this, but I need this to help me sleep, you know, and I need this for anxiety and I need that, you know. So he started to mix shit. Um, and he had seen so many of his other, like, actor friends doing this, a musician's friend doing this, that, you know, what might as well. Oh, well, I need cocaine tonight so I can stay awake so that my brothers and sisters get home. You know, it was just this this thing in his head where he constantly worried about taking care of everything and everyone. 
and, you know, being on set on time, remembering his lines. And, you know, I mean, it was like every part of his life needed some kind of substance to get him through. And it's, God, it just like, it's really fucking sad. Like, I really wish I would have gotten to know him personally. Um, I don't know. It's crazy. It really is crazy. So his girlfriend made a statement. She said, I knew something was wrong that night, something I didn't understand. I didn't see anyone doing drugs, but he was high in a way that made me really uncomfortable. At one point in the night, she took a trip to the bathroom. When she came out, she witnessed a bouncer shoving her boyfriend and another man at the door. At first, she thought the two men were fighting, but then she saw Phoenix drop to the ground and go into convulsions. Horrified, she ran back into the club to get Phoenix's siblings. Joaquin then made a heart-wrenching known call, which was later leaked to the press. And see, that just in itself is gross. I shouldn't know this, but I'm going to share it. He sent to the police. He's having seizures. Um, get over here, please, please, because he's dying, please. Meanwhile, Rain tried to stop her brother from thrashing around. Savagely, River flatlined before help arrived. He was officially pronounced dead at 1.51 a.m. An autopsy report later revealed that the promising young actor had died from an overdose of cocaine and heroin. There were also some traces of Valium, marijuana, and morphine found in his system. See, like he did all of these things to counteract the other one or to help him with something. And he, I know that he struggled from anxiety as well. And I think being out in public, especially at that point in his career, because he was so famous and girls would like follow him around. And I think it really stressed him out to have to deal with strangers. Um, yeah, it's so crazy. So after his death, the Viper Room temporarily closed in his honor. Heartbroken fans soon flocked to the venue to leave flowers and heartwritten, or handwritten, excuse me, heartwritten the <laughs> tribute to the fallen actor. Though the nightclub eventually reopened, many regulars said that it was never the same again. River Phoenix's death left a notable void in Hollywood from his friends across the globe to his famous friends. Everyone felt a visceral loss. Even younger talents like Leonardo DiCaprio were shaken by the news. In a strange turn of events, DiCaprio actually saw Phoenix in Hollywood on the same night that he died, just hours before he left this earth. He states, I wanted to reach out and say hello because he was this great mystery and we'd never met. Then I got stuck in a lane of traffic and slid right past him. But while he wasn't able to talk to Phoenix, he did get a look at his face. He was beyond pale. He looked white. <clears throat> but of course, the most affected by the death of River was his devastated family members, his brother Joaquin, recalling having difficulty time grieving as paparazzi often harassed him. Certainly for me, it felt like it impeded, like it impeded the mourning process, right? 
Joachim added that he soon began to think of his late brother as the ultimate inspiration for his acting. I felt like in virtually every movie that I made, there was a connection to River in some way. And I think that we've all felt his presence and guidance in our lives in numerous ways. Oh, man, it like I get teared up when I think about this. And there, there's another actor that comes to mind. I might do an episode about him too, Paul Walker. Um, because again, I just get that same vibe from him. Just a very loving, caring person. Um, definitely died in a different way. Um, I don't know if you guys know about Paul Walker's death, but, um, go look it up because this episode is not about him. (laughs) So before I close this out, um, I want to talk about Um, is this the right? Let me see. I've lost the article, guys. All right, well, we're not going to have that in this episode. (laughs) I can tell you some of the movies that I've seen where people were saying that he would have been great in was two films with... um, with Brad Pitt, uh, 12 Monkeys, and Seven. People were saying that River should have played uh, Brad Pitt's part. And Brad Pitt actually said that he got his inspiration from River um, in both of those roles, both those characters. So it was very interesting um, to see that. I watched both of those movies, and I can definitely say that I would agree. Um, he would have been great in anything. I mean, anything that's... Definitely super dramatic because he played that naturally. But he was also pretty funny. He had a he had a quiet sense of humor. I would almost say it's probably a little dark. Um, especially if you got to know him. I bet his humor is a little dark. But from the I'm gonna end it here, guys, too, but I just want to kind of wrap this up. The research that I was doing just on a personal level with him you know listening to his interviews and how he interacted with friends I can honestly say that he was a genuine person Um, there was no bullshit about him there was no glamour about him there was no fame about him he really just loved playing a role he loved acting he loved playing music Um, he loved helping people he loved having a voice um, he had said many times that he was very taken aback by and inspired by Martin Luther King's speech, which you know, most of the world was and is. But just for him to, to make sure that he states that in an interview it means something to him, you know, more than just people saying that. So his, you know, to bring this to mental health, his mental health was definitely a challenge for him. It was definitely challenging for him to be known. It was challenging for him to have his life be public, for him to be interviewed, for him to be followed, for him to be photographed when he didn't want to be, for him to have to live this life that he felt very uncomfortable living. And I think that's where a lot of Hollywood goes wrong. I mean, obviously, that's where mental health goes wrong. We don't prioritize it enough but especially in Hollywood especially with young people in Hollywood they get 
born into this and they have to grow up into this and their mind is all over the place. They have to be on all the time. They have to perform all the time. They have to, you know, look the part all the time. They can't ever fuck up. You know, if they fuck up, then then they're ridiculed and then they have to make a public apology and now, mind you, there are shitty famous people out there, just like there's shitty non-famous people out there. But people like River Phoenix, you know, he definitely wasn't a shit person. He was a great person who had mental health issues, who could not overcome them without substance abuse. And I don't think that he wanted to go down that road. I think he grew up in a different time. I think his family was you know, flowy and super laid back. And that could have been a hindrance to him and why he chose to go down that road. It may have not made a difference at all either way, but his life was meant for tragedy because he wasn't dealing with his mental health. He was just coping in a very devastating, um, yes, ended up being devastating, but very dangerous way. And it just goes to show you that this can happen to anyone. The only reason that we're talking about River is because he's a public figure. He was a public figure. But there's so many people dealing with this who aren't public figures, who don't get talked about on the news or on social media, where you can't see into their lives. And it's funny, like, I, I've mentioned this before, like, I wanted to be a singer. I really wanted to be a singer. And even just, like, doing lives, you know, doing videos on social media, doing this podcast, putting myself out there has all, I've always struggled with it. I've always struggled with it. And it's the same thing that he was going through. I mean, obviously a different scale, but like the pressure, the pressure of how I'm going to look, what people are going to think, what's going to be said, you know, like a lot of things I think people keep themselves from posting or doing or pursuing because of judgment from others. And that is that goes right back to how you see yourself and that goes with your mental health. So if you are struggling with self-worth, you may have been brought up from a parent or parents or guardians who struggled with self-worth. Um, I could speak for myself where my father, I felt like, constantly felt like he needed to look a certain way, be a certain way, do a certain thing, work very hard, you know, not get a break. I remember... I don't know if I've even told this story, but I remember when I was little, I don't know what this has to do with River Phoenix, but it doesn't. Um, I remember finding, I was like a teenager, it was probably like my son's age, 16, 15, 16. And I found all these envelopes, these unopened pieces of mail on my dad's dresser. And there was like a lot, I mean, a lot for me to notice, okay? And they were all unopened and they all looked very like official, you know? And... So my dad comes out of the bathroom and I'm like, dad, what are all these? And he like smacks them down on the dresser. And he's like, don't worry about that. It's adult stuff, you know. And I'm like, dad, what is this? You know, and I like started to open one. And I'm like seeing this is a past due notice of something and, you know, on and on and on. And I'm like, dad, do you have to pay this? You have to pay attention to this. 
Like you can't just stack them here. And I remember seeing the look of disappointment on my father's face. That his daughter, his teenage daughter was calling him out. And it wasn't, I wasn't coming from a place of trying to call him out, but I was just like very concerned and like, you know, telling my dad, like, you're an adult, you should know this. You can't just ignore this stuff. It doesn't just go away, you know? And I remember just looking at him and him being so scared that I know and disappointed and feels like, you know, like he looked like he just had failed me completely. And we had a conversation that night. I'm not going to tell you about it, but just to understand, I, I kind of really understood my dad at that point. And he very much suffered with how he looked to the world, you know, and people pleasing and you know, always being the first one at, at his job and the last one to leave and, you know, sacrificing so much of his life for others, including myself. I mean, he sacrificed so much of his life for me. And, you know, maybe that was to bring it back to River. Maybe that was um, not in the same way, but maybe River came from, you know, like, oh, well, my family's kind of just floats around and doesn't really take shit serious. And I'm serious and the world is serious. And there's things that we need to focus on and yes, I love doing this work, but I also have to give back and I can't do both. I, I can't stay up all night. I can't remember my lines. You know, all these things that I could just imagine were going on with him. And on top of being public, right? On top of being like a heartthrob, okay? Which he was really uncomfortable with. On top of being, you know... um having to go on to interviews and to talk shows and to award events. Like these are just things that grossed him out. And, you know, I don't know that I would, would have been able to do it sober either. I really don't think I would have been able to do it either. So, um, I hope you guys enjoyed this. Um, I thought it would be very interesting. Um, if you, or you know someone who is struggling with drug use, please get some help or get that person some help. Do whatever you possibly can for yourself or that person. Um, if you're going through things where you feel like you can't do it sober, then that's a problem. That's a problem. I'm not talking about the occasional glass of red wine or the occasional cigarette or joint. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about in excess, in excess, you know, where you are abusing something. Uh, it doesn't have to be drugs. It could be food. It could be sex. It could be any, any of these things that anytime you're overdoing it where it's in, to an unhealthy place, then it's something that definitely needs to be looked at. So I would love to hear from you guys. Um, please email me at media.collecticulture at gmail. And again, if you want to watch one of the interviews, I'm going to post one of them down below. So go check out River Phoenix. Um, please definitely go watch one of his movies. Um, Running on Empty is really good. It's probably my favorite movie of his. Um, but yeah, I am wishing you guys a very happy 4th of July. Go hug your loved ones during the fireworks. And until next time, ciao.